please stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus shared this, uh, this parable with his disciples. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealer and buy some for yourselves. And and while they went out to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, Open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts help us to live and love like you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. At some point during the week that I preach, I usually read or retell the gospel lesson to my husband, David. I enjoy seeing his reaction and hearing his thoughts on what is going on in the gospel. It helps process for me, too. So when I told him this parable that we read this morning, his response was pretty flat. Well, Laura, not everyone can be a gym. After my laughter subsided, I looked at him and I was like, okay, but really? And he looked back at me and started talking about something completely different. (laughs) I'm sure that this is how most of us feel when we read this text or heard this text for this morning, because it's a little confusing, uncomfortable, thinking the story is a bit odd, or maybe it's just hard for you to understand. These bridesmaids are waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for a very extremely late bridegroom to arrive. Maybe they felt like the whole of America felt this last week, waiting for election results. The last five days might have been like, felt like five months of waiting and watching. Or maybe they felt like us over the last eight months that have felt like eight years waiting and watching a pandemic to subside. Whatever it is, we do now, maybe more than ever, understand waiting and watching. This bridegroom is so incredibly late that all the bridesmaids end up falling asleep. And when the bridegroom finally arrives, some realize 
that they don't have enough oil to lead the bridegroom in to the wedding banquet. Now, this is just really strange, right? It seems a little unfair, a little selfish on the part of those who wouldn't share. But first, we have to admit that we don't understand the concept of bridegroom and bridesmaids like they did back in the day of Jesus. So we're probably not getting the whole picture right off the bat when we read it. So let's go backwards. Let's talk about the context that the gospel writer of Matthew is in, and it might help us understand this text and this parable a little more for today. The early Christian community thought that Jesus was going to return immediately after his resurrection and ascension, and that would be the end of times. Well, when this didn't happen, people got worried, and then the time just kept on ticking and watching and waiting and watching and waiting. They suddenly became laid back with their faith and that readiness that they had in the beginning that the end of times was coming was no longer there. They went about their daily lives and they didn't live with the sense of urgency that they once did. They didn't live faithful to what Jesus had taught them. So this parable for the early Christian community called them to a faithful readiness. And if we are honest, it's probably even harder for us 2,000 years later to wait for Jesus in a faithful readiness, to think that Jesus is going to come back tomorrow and the end of times will happen. Now, yes, there's groups that preach and proclaim this, but for the majority of us, I don't think that we think that Jesus is coming tomorrow. So we sometimes don't live out our faith with a readiness either, right? I mean, think of this. Think of how differently you would live your life if you knew next week Jesus was coming back and it was going to be the end of times. I'm pretty sure you would leave this place this afternoon and do something different than you might have planned for right now. That's why this parable also speaks to us 2,000 years later, calling us to a faithful readiness as well. And a faithful readiness at the very core of what Jesus taught is an active readiness. What that means is that even though that wedding banquet, the kingdom of heaven, hasn't started yet, it's on the other side of that door, As Christians, in the here and now, we need to act as if the kingdom of heaven is right here in this place. Michael Skinner, one of the commentaries I read this week, said it like this. Too many Christians read this disturbing parable and they fixate on the reality inside the door as they long for a promised wedding banquet to come and they neglect their present circumstances. Other readers focus on a locked door, and they can't abide an exclusion that appears harsh and unyielding. All that just for forgetting an oil flask? Now, as important 
As important as those details are to the story, they miss the, the, the fact that most of the action, most of what went on, on that, in that parable happened on this side of the door in a world that waits, in a world that suffers as it waits, where we stand today, where we sometimes are overcome by sleepiness and are not quite ready, we have to remember that no banquet door has been shut yet. And for us as Christians, this means opportunity. And so faithful readiness expresses itself in action. But what does this faithful and active readiness look like? Well, as Christians, sometimes I think that we put on blinders. We put on rose-colored glasses because of the hope and the joy that we find through God. So we live on the surface of things, not allowing people to see our struggle, our pain, our hurt. We can't see very deep. for We fear that people will think less of us for it. So in turn, we don't look very deep either. But when we can't even be honest with ourselves, how are we supposed to look at a world and see the struggles and the hurt and the pain of the world? We end up living in a world that sees through rose-colored glasses as well. We can't take on all the hurt and the pain So it's easier for us just to turn away instead of leaning towards it. So today, we also read from the book of the prophet Amos, who speaks a poetic word of God to the people of Israel. He speaks to the people of Israel, calling them back into communion with God and into right relationship with one another. Amos said this, I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your song. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We hear in Amos that evidently God is not impressed by mere talk or by beautiful hymns or by articulative prayers. What God wants to see and hear, all God wants is this constant flow of justice and righteousness. We often think that justice is the good getting a reward and the bad being punished. But the Old Testament meaning of that word justice runs much deeper than that. Our modern definition in no way encapsulates all that the Hebrew term means. Because in, at its core, it means that the neediest in our society are cared for. A just society cares for those who are needy. An unjust society 
does not. God speaks through Amos and he says, let this kind of justice roll down like an ever-flowing stream. Now, I want to be clear. I don't think that God is in any way putting down our worship or our giving, but I do think that God is trying to make sure that we connect these two together. I think that God is warning us through Amos that if we worship and praise, if we give and sing loud, but we don't have love and justice, our lives and our faith become like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. God is speaking out against our worship, our festival, and our lives when we forget that it is all tied right back in to justice. The prophecy in Amos is speaking to our lax faith. This prophecy in Amos is calling us also into faithful readiness and action. It might sound harsh on the surface, but it's actually empowering to us to live out justice and righteousness, goodness and compassion all the time in every neighbor that we encounter. Because our life is most about worship when we do justice, when we love kindness, and when we walk humbly with God. That is an opportunity that is on this side of the wedding banquet. That is an opportunity for faithful and active readiness. In, a middle, in the middle of a world that waits for the wedding banquet, we have this beautiful opportunity to help that wedding banquet, the kingdom of God, be present in this space, in this day and time. Once Mother Teresa was invited to this hunger conference in Bombay, and she lost her way, and she arrived late at this place. On the steps outside, as she was walking in, she noticed a man dying of hunger. So instead of going in, she took him and she fed him. Inside, they were talking about so much food supply in so many years. It was a statistic here and a statistic there. While a real person was dying on the steps outside. That's the example that we follow, one at a time. Not just talking, but feeding and getting our hands dirty. Because sometimes it's easy to get caught up in making plans for how to end poverty or hunger or whatever it may be, all the while losing the face of those who are suffering today. So this begs the question, what kind of faith do we have if it doesn't change our life, our neighbor's life, our community, and the world? How can we have faith if it's not put into action? The more we step out, the more we give hope and compassion, the more we live into an active and faithful readiness in order to better the world on this side of heaven. 
bringing about God's kingdom here and now. Because think about it. If all of us used our faith for action, imagine the chaos that it would create to the evil that is in this world. Now, I'm going to be honest. It might feel like right now our country is more divided than ever. An election year is tough, but the weight of a pandemic on top of an election year, it's even tougher. But we can find hope in the gospel and in Amos this morning. Because whether your candidate won or lost, whether you are excited about the next four years or you're dreading it, our mission as Christians has not changed one bit. It's the same today as it was last week, as it was five years ago, 10 years ago, and 2,000 plus years ago. Our faith calls us to action. And that call has always and will always be bringing about God's kingdom here and now, taking care of the neediest among us. Our faith calls us to love those next to us. Our faith calls us to love those who we think are completely unlovable. Our faith calls, up to, calls us to stand up for the oppressed, the bullied, the lonely, the abused, and those on the outskirts of our society. Our faith calls us to get our hands dirty in the name of Jesus Christ, who got his hands dirty by taking on our flesh. Our faith calls us to unity, to be one, to stand united so that the world, when they look at the church, doesn't just see a bunch of people, but instead sees God's love and light for all. And when our faith does that, we are living out the wedding banquet, the kingdom of God, no matter what side of the door we find ourselves on. We're letting justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Our call has not changed. So let's get to work. Amen.